0: Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. Hey y'all, I'm Elizabeth Woodson, and I'm here with my co-host, Taryn Mays. We're also joined by special guest, Jamin Roller. Today, we are continuing our series on mental health, and we are going to have a conversation about anxiety. I first want to introduce our
1: special guest.
0: Jamin, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself and what you do at Citizens Church?
1: Hello, friends. My name is Jamin, and I serve at Citizens as uh, one of the lead pastors here. I get to teach and get to uh, pastor and shepherd and work alongside my favorite people in the world. So, and in this moment I get to talk to two incredibly gifted people here on Culture Matters and I'm honored.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I'll say Jamin would, would not say this about himself, uh, but Jamin is is one of my favorite people in the world. I love him. He is a dear friend, he is a gifted pastor. Um, and uh, I am it's a it's a gift to serve alongside you and to be led by you. He is also a really fun dad and a good husband and my neighbor. Okay. Quite
1: literally.
0: Y'all live next door to each other?
1: Four horses four horses <laughs> Taryn grew up in the country. <laughs> Four, <laughs> Four horses away down. There's
0: a pasture <laughs> Four houses down
1: Four houses from okay. one another Who They're great neighbors got there first? Uh, the maze did yep. Okay Taryn and Bobby
2: okay. okay We were there With a pool With that a pool That was a real draw Honestly hey, I feel like in Texas That's mm-hmm. the pool It's for summertime everybody. We're here you for gotta it
0: Yeah, got have one mm-hmm. Alright Jamin Anxiety is a conversation that is not necessarily new to Citizens Church because recently you guys have been walking through this as a part of your sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And Mm -hmm. so can you explain um, kind of what made you choose this topic and kind of maybe what what are some things that are going on in our greater culture where you felt like this was appropriate for your people at this time and place?
1: So when we decided to do the Sermon on the Mount, I obviously knew that these passages were there, you know, right in the middle of the sermon towards the end of chapter 6 and um I I'd kind of had them circled in my mind and heart for a while and you know obviously here we we preach through books of the Bible and so we we pretty much go verse by verse and but as we got closer and closer to these verses on anxiety it just felt more and more relevant with everything going on whether that you know even even before the pandemic and i know you guys covered this on one of previous episodes but just the really the alarming rate uh of uh people's mental health and struggling mental health the statistics i think it was in 2019 there was a article that came out and the title of the article uh, was called um oh gosh i'm forgetting it now the title of the article was the age of anxiety and one of the lines in the article was that if you just look at the statistics, if you look at the mental health statistics the people who are self-reporting, the people who are identifying as being stressed for most parts of the day, it said it looks like America is in a full-blown panic attack. And that was the quote. And then 2020 happened. So that was 2019, and so you can imagine just everything that was already trending was kind of escalated. It was almost like a you know fuel on a fire, if you will. Whether that was the you know the the actual pandemic or the political upheaval and all those kinds of things. So coming into what Jesus had said 2,000 years ago on the side of a mountain, uh, it felt like his words were uh, obviously true, but just needed in a really, um, yeah, just in a really timely way. So that's, uh, as we got there, we spent, you know, two weeks right there in those passages and, and just as the people of God, you know, hope to be ministered in a, in a really specific way as an anxious people, because the disciples of Jesus are not different than the rest of the world. Is a struggle that we have, uh, just like everyone else does. And so, yeah, it was important.
0: You know what I'm excited for this conversation is because with this series, and really with this podcast, the hope of how do we help equip our people in the church To navigate their own issues, but also the issues of people that they're in community with, and so for you to be able to come and and just share from this pastoral perspective of how do we come alongside people and just shape and frame what they're experiencing in light of what we know what's is true and where they can find help and all these wonderful things, and so the first place that we're going to start is with a definition because definitions matter. And so in your time of preparing for the series. Kind of, what was a definition of anxiety that you came across that you used um, during your sermon, and then also how does that compare or or add to what we see present in Scripture of how Scripture tells us what anxiety is?
1: Yeah, so tied really close to Jesus's words, and if you're if you're unfamiliar, you know Jesus says, "Don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll what you'll put on," and that's kind of how he starts it, and so. Jesus begins the conversation about anxiety by naming some of the anxieties of his audience. They're mostly, uh, uh, you know, lower class people on the side of the mountain with him, and they're naturally worried about food and worried about clothing. And so, and Jesus is not going to say to them, "You shouldn't care about these things." Earlier in his sermon, he says, "You should pray for your daily bread." So God cares that they'll eat. So there's a, there's a point for Jesus where care for good things moves into an, an ungodly fear about those things or worry about those things, and he ties it to the temporal nature of our life. Towards the end of that conversation, he'll say, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will take care of itself. So where we landed in the sermon was what the, the anxiety that Jesus describes is when we assume about the future what we don't know, and then we try to protect ourselves from that future with control that we don't have so we're using our fears really to fill in what we don't know about the future and then we try to protect ourselves from that future uh, by going outside of the limits of what we can what we can actually control one of the things that was really important to me as we approach this passage was was really to make a distinction that when jesus talks about anxiety it it's very um it's very clear that he's confronting something in the lives of his disciples confronting a sin struggle or a propensity to sin and you know in my experience as a pastor in my experience as a human in my experience as a friend uh anxiety is a really complicated thing as it actually exists in people's lives and so there's a it seems to be a spectrum with anxiety that you know, if you listen to even Adam's kind of mental health um, mini-episode where he told his own story, what he's describing there is, uh, you know, lies that he was believing and fear that he had, but he also described an intense amount of suffering in his life, that that there is a physiological, a chemical brokenness there. And and because we live in a broken world, we know that, you know, the the results of the fall, they they don't just attack our, you know, maybe our, our bodies or with, with health and sickness, but they also can attack our minds. And so I thought it was really important and believe it's really important as a pastor to, to just acknowledge that this struggle with anxiety exists on the spectrum. And, and for some, it's an intense amount of, of suffering from living in a broken world. On the other end of that spectrum would be the sin struggle that, that Jesus describes. And maybe for many people, there's a blend of both right? For many people, there's a, gosh, some of this is physiological, some of this is connected to trauma and wounds in my past, some of this are lies that I'm believing and idols that I'm worshiping, and it's just a a mixed bag of all of those things. I say that because when I offered the definition that we landed on, assuming about the future what we don't know, then trying to protect ourselves from the future with control we don't have, I don't want anyone to hear that as if you if you just believe God a little bit more your problem will go away cuz i i i don't think that honors how complex we are as people and 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 i think some of the work that people who are earnestly trying to follow Jesus and take him at his word some of the work they need to do is is maybe trying to distinguish between what what of this is suffering in my life what of this is sin struggle in my life because some people are going to need it are going to need more help than others or a different kind of help than others. Does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really does. Jamin, uh, as you are you are positioned uh, pastorally to be uh, receiving people often. There are people at your door, uh, officing next to you, there are people in your office often uh, coming and asking questions of you. And so as you're receiving people, what uh, what are some of the things that you see, the ways that you see anxiety play itself out kind of an day-to-day the daily struggles of the believer
1: so do y'all know michael reeves he wrote the book delighting in the trinity yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah that's his name right uh-huh. okay I'm, <laughs> terrible. Like... I'm terrible with names we live four horses down the <laughs> <laughs> okay um, he wrote a book on the fear of god the fear of the lord rejoice and tremble i think it's relatively new and he uh he talks about how um we have abandoned the theology of the fear of the Lord um, because we're uncomfortable with the idea of fear, and in abandoning the idea of the fear of the Lord, we have made the new kind of goal of society, at least in the Western world. We have made comfort the goal, um, to be comfortable to to exist at a place of, um, you know, never being disrupted emotionally or financially, and, and he connects the, the current levels of anxiety, at least among Christians, with that. I think what's interesting, a point that he makes in the book is he says that uh, we have actually made comfort a virtue, Mm. whereas in previous times it hasn't been a virtue. Being uncomfortable has just been a natural part of of life. And so it's a long way to get to to your question, Taryn, but... I think one of the things that I am looking for is whether or not people have an expectation for their life that God would not agree with. Meaning, do you have an expectation for the absence of pain in your life, or an expectation if, if the new, um, for Christians, the baseline is not comfort, the baseline is faithfulness. Yes. And faithfulness so often includes being uncomfortable. And I think the other thing that that is that is often helpful in those conversations is just to invite people to carry their fears to its natural end and then ask them if they're still okay, meaning if my fear is around my money or if my fears are my my relationship, if my nightmare comes true and I'm living my nightmare what is what do I still have and as a believer, there is a long list of things I still have. God's love I still have a future I still have an inheritance I'm still part of this kingdom that's incorruptible and unchanging and I think those things while they're while they're simple they just have this way of because what anxiety so often is is anxiety is something it's a sin struggle that attaches to the good one of the conversations we had when we walked through these sermons was how there's some things in your life that are really easy to spot you know if I'm um, even the things that Jesus talks about in the sermon, Usually I'm the first one to know that I have a lust problem, right? Usually I'm the if I have a murder problem, that's not a surprise to me, right? I I know that. That's pretty easy to see. But at least in my life, I'm often one of the last ones to know how anxious I am because that anxiety is coming out of my life as irritability and those closest to me have to ask those kinds of questions because I can so easily think that my anxiety around good things is just a godly concern for good things and it's just so insidious it's so subtle you know it's it's um it's it's like a a bacteria right that that attaches to something that's really good that you can't really see and until you get sick you know mm. until you eat it and and you get sick and so i think trying to honor the subtlety of it and ask some of those maybe foundational questions ultimately just to get back to the promises of god in people's lives mm. yeah
0: yeah. Again, the the beauty and power of self-awareness and the power of slowing down and the power of being able to understand where our hearts are grounded in and what we are truly loving. And so, you know, I loved how you talked about, and what are our expectations for anything about life? And are they connected to things that would honor God? Mm. Are they connected to things that put us in control over God, um, that have us idolize, um, even when it comes to comfort? Like, That's a huge, again, that could be a whole nother episode in just how our culture has transitioned to prefer and love comfort over so many things and how that has blossomed into so many areas of unhealth. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, like you said, our Bible does not call us to comfort, it calls us to faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And many times faithfulness means we will be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because we trust in a sovereign God who is holy and is in control then we are able to navigate through those hard spaces. But in the moments where we get some of those wires mixed up, then we sit in some of these hard places of um, just anxiousness. Mm-hmm. Again, on that spectrum that you talked about of, of suffering to sin because it's complex. There are no just one easy answer for what's going on, um, but we recognize the truth that we ground ourselves in um, to guide us as we walk through that. So, Jamin, as Christians, uh, we hinted to it or have talked about it uh, before, we are grounded in the biblical story. And so how do we, in light of that story,
1: think about anxiety? I think to go again to honoring the complexity of of anxiety mm-hmm. because it's subtle and then because for some it's it's very physical and mm-hmm. connected to story and, you know, Maybe this isn't the way to say it, but but not all anxiety is necessarily connected to sin. Mm-hmm. Not all anxiety all anxiety is connected to living in a sinful world mm-hmm. for sure. But just if if you think about the yeah, I think honoring that for some, they need to at least consider. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the things that the church has done is, in in many ways, is the church has adopted. That kind of uh, that human goal of being happy, of happiness, and so um, it's really easy if a Christian has experienced some sort of negative emotion to automatically assume that those you know negative emotions mean a lack of faith or some sort of failure of faith, whereas we have whole books of the Bible where people are being really honest about their raw emotions before God. And sometimes the most righteous thing to do is to uh, is to is to mourn and is to grieve. And so I think just to for for all Christians to understand and honor the complexity of what anxiety is and, and for some to consider maybe this is connected to suffering in my life. And that's going to mean I need different kinds of help. Um and then and then others to understand that this is connected to sin in my life. And it's a really fine line because it's almost two sides of a same of the same coin that we need to Honor how complex it is. But then also, gosh, uh, we need to recover a belief and a confidence in the words of Jesus about our anxiety. I remember, I think it may be New York Times came out with an article in the middle of the pandemic and basically said, it it might not have been New York Times, but the headline was, If you're not anxious, you don't care. And it it almost makes anxiety a good or a new kind of uh, moral virtue that. If you're looking at how messed up the world is and how crazy the world is, then you should be anxious. And so I think on the one hand, it's like, hey, you know, Christians, be kind to yourself. Consider that this might be suffering in your life, not just sin in your life. But then on the other hand, don't go searching for answers to questions that Jesus has already provided. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost this double movement of honoring kind of the scope of it, but then also our starting place. I think the way... That we've talked about it around here is any any path towards peace for anyone, wherever they are in the suffering sin spectrum with anxiety. Any path towards peace is going to begin with, stay with, and end with Jesus for mm-hmm. the Christian.
2: Jamin, I love that. What it what it sounds like. What I hear you saying is that there is an invitation uh, from God to align ourselves with His heart. Yes. So that on that spectrum of suffering and sin, that we would be aligned with the heart of God as those who suffer in anxiety to know that God's heart is tender towards us, that He draws us to Himself. The way that He describes Himself in Matthew 11 is that He is gentle and lowly Mm -hmm. in heart. And that description is actually situated in the invitation to come to Him. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is not a... He is the description of our God in his person is that he is tender and gracious and patient with us. And so that would be aligning ourselves with the heart of God in our suffering and simultaneously to look at our sin and also align ourselves with what God has to say about our sin, that it it grieves Him, and there is repentance and, um, and a, a faithfulness required of us as a believer. But all of that in the confines of what Jesus actually has to say yes. to us, that our answers are found uh, in the Word of God.
1: Yes. And it's almost... That's excellent, Taryn. I think that it's it's being able to rightly see what we're bringing to the cross right. what we're bringing to Jesus and to name it accurately mm-hmm. but not to then try and take it somewhere else you know but just to just to have that Elizabeth used the word mm-hmm. self-awareness just mm-hmm. to know ourselves mm-hmm. enough to know uh, because what I, I I might need Jesus to minister to to suffering that I'm calling sin, or I might need Jesus to minister to sin that I'm calling suffering, and so being clear about that. But but what is true in both is I don't need any less than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is what I need for it. And again, I think some on the suffering spectrum might need more help than others, and that might include you know some sort of clinical help and counseling and medicine and all those things. All those things, withstanding it, every single Christian no matter what they, that struggle is, needs to be hip-to-hip hip with, with Jesus as they walk to recovery for it and, and healing.
0: And Oftentimes, when we think about you know, issues of mental health, they are not short-term dynamics within people's lives. And so when you think about anxiety and you think about someone who is dealing with this over a long period of time or even those who are ministering to someone who is walking with this over a long period of time, what's the goal? Because you mentioned that oftentimes we can think that the goal of our Christian faith is happiness. Mm. And the reality is we live in, um, even this past year, trauma, um, the pandemic, we have uh, just difficult things that happen through life. And so there are moments where we're trying to figure out how do I deal with what's hard? And so what's the goal for the Christian, especially the Christian who is navigating anxiety over a long period of time? What hope do they have? Jamin, kind of what hope would you give them um, that they have in
1: Jesus? I think there's, I'd start with a caution. Um, I think sometimes when we're trying to, especially if we're suffering, especially if we're anxious, if we're uncomfortable, the easiest thing to do is to compare ourselves to others and um, to feel condemned because someone next to me might have more peace than I have Mm. or gosh, hope in Jesus is so much easier for these people close to me or these people that I see and i think a couple things around that one is we just tend to assume things about other people's lives in the ways that are mm-hmm. most uncharitable to ourselves and um the, the reality is is that you know Jesus has not called us to live anyone else's christian life with faithfulness he's he's called us to live ours with faithfulness and to be honest with him and so i would be as we talk about hope, as we talk about the peace, as we talk about the journey, I would be really, really cautious about evaluating how I'm doing in this particular struggle based on how I'm assuming someone else is mm-hmm. doing with this particular struggle. That uh, Mental uh, illness is part of my family's story, and there have been seasons of my life, especially in my childhood, that I watched family members uh, overwhelmed with the mm-hmm. suffering of the mind, and at the same time pleading with God for closeness. I have vivid memories of seeing a family member, you know, tears streaming down their face, Bible open to the Psalms, begging God mm-hmm. uh, to be close and to be near. And it's it's I think that's what Jesus means, part of what he means when he says, seek first the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's not seek first the kingdom uh, because the goal is to not be anxious, but seek first the kingdom because the goal is God and mm-hmm. God's presence. And you know the the what even Jesus says about that is he says you know you're not like the Gentiles. In other words, you don't live in a godless world uh, where God is not active, but you're a citizen and you're on the very cusp of the kingdom. And so seek seek first the kingdom in that way. And I think that that there needs to be space for everyone's kind of journey in that to look a little bit a little bit different. So I think what's helpful is. You know pathways and principles, not necessarily really specific prescriptions. Mm-hmm. And so, one of those pathways is obviously seeking the kingdom. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another one of those is is what you see is in Jesus in his temptation in Matthew four. Part of what you see Satan doing is trying to um, incite or birth worry in him. If you're the son of God, uh, you're hungry. You haven't been eating. And he tempts them with the very things that Jesus says his his crowd is anxious about, food and clothing, and how Jesus responds to that. He pushes away that anxiety with the Word of God, man does not live on bread alone. And so I think it's really important for Christians to be able to name the specific things they're anxious about, if it's food, if it's my children, if it's my health, and then find places in God's Word where God would give the answers for that already. One of the things in my own anxiety that I've known is it's actually hard to find words in my own anxiety. It's hard to find. I don't trust myself, and I'm not the best counselor to myself, especially in the moments of anxiety. So, you know, for instance, every Sunday morning, I'm I'm usually pretty anxious about Sunday morning because I it's it's I stand in front of people and and you know you're just kind of on display in front of everyone, and uh you uh it's a unique vocation where you get a pretty immediate uh you know. Uh, you get a pretty immediate evidence of of your job performance and how you're doing. And so one of the things that I started doing in the last year or so is, uh, as I feel anxious on the way to church, I'll just, I'll pray out loud. Uh, Psalm 19, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer as a way to, uh, God, I don't have words for this, but God, I trust you. And and my worries are carrying me somewhere. My anxiety is carrying me somewhere, assuming that you're not involved, assuming a future that I don't know, and then trying to, to control that future with control that you haven't given me. And so I just wanna, I wanna surrender that. And what this is all about is actually not pleasing people, but that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. And I think to a good discipline for the anxious Uh, which I think if we're honest, we all are to some degree. Mm -hmm. A good discipline was where has God already spoken about this anxiety? And I need to memorize his words so that I can combat my internal dialogue with, with the words of God.
2: Okay, Jamin, we've talked a little bit uh, about how the Bible uh, comes to bear uh, on our understanding of anxiety, how we can see that play itself out uh, in the life of the local church. But uh, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, those who are uh, caring for others struggling in anxiety? What are some of the best ways? to support them, uh, to uh, maybe come alongside the believer who is battling with anxiety. Tell us about what works and what doesn't.
1: Yeah, I think normalizing it. I think what's so interesting about, you know, even in my own experience, I'm always shocked to find out how many people are anxious about the same things I'm anxious Mm -hmm. about. Where it's you, you, share like a really specific anxiety, and it's like, man, I'm the only person who's ever worried about that before. And as soon as you say it out loud, everyone else is like, oh yeah, me, you know, me too. Um, and it, and so I think that there is a, it, it's it's connected in so many ways to shame and and how shame plays out in our lives. But the the way that shame is combated is in community. When you kind of bring it to the light, and so I think if you're walking with others who are anxious, uh, I think having a non-shock response to their anxiety is one of the, and especially for those who are on the the, you know, further on the suffering end of it, to hear, not only am I worried about this, but I'm worried about it to a point where I'm I feel physically paralyzed or I feel you know, physically affected, or I'm thinking about it in these ways, or or my anxious thoughts are becoming like catastrophizing thoughts. And um, to be a person who is going to not blink in front of your anxious friend, they're not going to blink in front of your anxious spouse or child or church member or pastor. (laughs) And as a way to Acknowledge that there is a safety, a tremendous amount of safety in the honesty. I think if we go back to Jesus on the side of the hill, he doesn't um he he doesn't he begins by naming their anxieties. he looks out at however many hundreds of peasants and farmers are there, and he says, "Hey, let me name what you're worrying about right now." And names it in front of a crowd full of people, not to shame them, but to say this is not. Let's let's talk openly about this because unless we talk openly about this, we'll we'll never move towards answers and and health and healing. And so, I think that there are some questions maybe that are that are helpful to ask, like, um, what are you afraid of? You know, it, depending on the closeness of the relationship, right? Obviously, it's got to be somebody that you trust and that you've that you've earned their trust, but as you're caring for someone who's anxious i think those questions like have you followed your fears to kind of the worst iteration of them and what does that look like um yeah i think just inviting the openness of that inner we are talking to ourselves about our anxieties we are we're ta- we're having that conversation in our head and so if you're loving caring for someone you're trying to draw that internal dialogue out and make that external dialogue so that Another voice can enter that than just your own, you know,
2: so good. That's so good. because what what I hear too, is that therefore for uh, a believer sitting alongside another is that you would almost posture yourself in the expectation of that i i can I can expect that I'm going to receive the hard thing at some point. It's yes. coming. It's going to come from this person or that person or my own heart. And so I can just be postured, knowing it's not a surprise. It's actually just part of living in a fallen and a broken world. And you even see Jesus do that, right? Yes. It's not. If you are anxious, do not be anxious about these things. It's don't be anxious. I know that you're anxious mm-hmm. about those things. And then also, I love I I love that you give the uh, idea of. It's what it means to counsel someone is to actually ask really generously curious questions yes. Yes. of them, not leading questions, not uh, unsolicited advice, mm-hmm. but just generally curious, a uh, generously curious. I think is maybe a a better way to describe
1: that. Yes, that's mm-hmm. so good.
0: Mm-hmm. And I also like just the the reminder that our internal dialogue can be so misleading. Mm. Yes. And when we say things out loud to another person, we can be reminded of truth, of um, just safety, of that the way you view the world may not be the way the world actually is. Mm. And I think specifically with anxiety, just the, um, the pressure to just go into ourselves and just rehearsing this script of the worst case scenario or what could happen and being able to process those fears with another person is so helpful. Um, and sometimes it's the last thing you wanna do because nobody understands, nobody gets me, nobody's going through this. And literally yeah. somebody else mm-hmm. is going through it. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think what's so important about that, and, and Jesus does this in his in his teaching on anxiety, he says, he has asks, he asks really good questions mm-hmm. And then he said, one of his questions is, you know, look at the birds and see that they eat. Are you not of more value than they? And what resonates so much about that is so often what our fears are and what our worries are, are our own underestimations of our value projected into our future, projected into what bad is going to happen to us. And so that dialogue between two believers who can encourage one another in their anxiety, at some point, it needs to make it to that level of, of value. You know, God loves you, and you can trust God, and you're more valuable than birds who eat, and you're more valuable than flowers that are dressed in splendor and wonder and all of those things. But I think that that, that is an often—maybe we only ever stay at the level of what we're afraid of, and never go from our fears to our beliefs about ourselves.
2: Yes, and I think there's also something to be said, uh, particularly for the church, mm. that when we move into those spaces of a reminder of identity in Christ, and even speak speaking the gospel over, uh, reading scriptures over, I think there's a fear of um, of sitting across from another person that would say, "Well, I know that you already know these things." Mm. And that person even dismissing in the moment, yeah, 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 I already know those things. And what is true is that the reminder of the gospel over our lives is important every minute, every hour, every day. And that is, uh, there is even a practice, uh, maybe specifically for the individual suffering uh, in anxiety, to uh, submit yourself to the Word of God in that moment, to open-handedly simply receive Uh, even in knowing those things, but maybe to fight that instinct and just humble ourselves before God.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and I think that that is so important because, and I say this very gently and pastorally, but connected to a lot of our anxiety and worry is a pride that says, my eyes are the most clear, and my um, I see, and I know, and there is a sense in which you have to there there is a humility required in order to be comforted you can reject truth you can I, I even yeah. i knew i knew before we walked through these passages i knew what jesus said i grew up pastor's kid i've i've read this portion of the sermon on the mount more than any other portion of the sermon on the mount and I went in expecting that I knew all there was to know, and I'd kind of received all there was to receive. And I'm like, man, how am I going to turn this into two sermons, you know? <laughs> and was just, was just so humbled so by how precise and pastoral and loving and right that Jesus is. But unless you say he knows better— unless you say, I need this, there's a sense in which you have to, to your point, Taryn, so important. There's a sense in which the path to peace, uh, a huge part of that is the humility to say, I'm not going to trust my answers. My best thinking is what got me here, is what we say Mm -hmm. in recovery so often. And so I'm going to submit to God's thinking and God's words. Yeah.
0: Thing in a culture where we have access to all the answers or we think we do. Just the humility. I think that really hit me when you said that, Jamin, just the humility to be comforted, the humility to acknowledge I don't have all the answers. And even if it's truth, I've read before. Mm. That it has a new, um, the Lord can use it to minister to me in a new way, you know, right. th- especially through the Old Testament. We just see all these reminders for Israel to continue to rehearse the story they've heard for so long because it's so easy to forget. Mm-hmm. And just the need for us to constantly rehearse truth, even when it doesn't feel like it's true, because it is true because it's grounded in a God who who is truthful, who is always present and always cares about us. And it can be so easy to feel like those things yeah. aren't real in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So for the person who's listening to this, um, Jamin, who is struggling with anxiety, what are two things that you would tell them to do or remember today?
1: Mm. My disclaimer is that we've had this conversation, I've had this conversation as a pastor. Yep. And so that's my lane. I'm not a counselor. Uh, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a pastor, what I would say is to remember that God is present and that God is active. And one of the things that Jesus invites in his teaching is to search for that. Seek first the kingdom. Mm -hmm. But even his... Illustrations of what that looks like are very common and natural. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Notice the world around you. So the first thing is to believe uh, that you live in a world where God is present and that God is active. So much of what anxiety is is it's assuming a future where God is where God is absent. Instead, God is present and He's active. He's He's using all of it. And then I think the the second would be, and I. Maybe this isn't the kind of thing that you can say to people that you don't know, because I don't know who's listening. But in my experience, so many who struggle with anxiety are actually doing so much better than they think mm. they are. They're so much further along than they think they are. They've. If you're listening to this right now, and, and you saw that this was the thing we're talking about, and you struggle with anxiety, and you chose to listen, it's because you're trying. It's because you want help you want you're, you're, you're not going somewhere you came to a christian podcast to hear what jesus <laughs> yes. has to say about anxiety and that matters yes. it it matters that you want to hang on the word of god you want to hang on the counsel of christians and that that says something about what you believe to be the true hope for your anxiety so for, you're you're doing a good job mm. yeah you're doing a good job mm-hmm.
2: That's such a gift to hear as well, uh, because it it mirrors the heart of God mm. towards us, mm-hmm. right? The the, um, the idea that God is not looking on us, wagging his finger mm. at us in Christ, but looks on us, proud and yeah. tender, and in grace and in love and compassion, yeah. and says, "Oh, I, I love you so much. You're mm-hmm. doing such a good job," and uh, effectively is cheering us on towards faithfulness, equipping us, enabling us, but yeah. But all of that alongside that, I would even add to alongside the the idea of gentleness towards ourselves that we need to be gentle to even understand that we're fully embodied people mm-hmm. and we should honor that God has created us as, as embodied people. Mm-hmm. And struggling in anxiety can so often, it is a battle of the mind that manifests in the body. Yeah, And so because of that, to, to your point, to be able to look at the birds of the air and to look at creation, to remember who God is, move your body. Mm-hmm. Actually get outside and take a very slow walk. Yeah. Breathe. God has made you a person that breathes, rest in Christ and breathe. That's good. And just just be okay, Be gentle with you. God's not asking mm-hmm. you to get up and run a marathon yeah. <laughs> when you're in the midst of your suffering. Um, so I, I, I love that idea, though, the picture of, of God's heart on display to mm-hmm. us. Yeah, the invitation into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This idea of you know the struggles of life are hard. Um, and oftentimes we don't slow down enough to recognize how our body is telling us what might be going on in our heart and our mind. Um, And for us to be kind to ourselves, to know that we serve a God who loves us and is kind with us and he's gentle with us and he walks with us and he wants hope and healing for us. And so for us to know that there are moments in which our anxiety, you know, I'm really appreciative of the spectrum you gave us, Jamin, um, from suffering to recognizing the hard things we experience in this world. But it can also be on the side of sin in which we're holding on to expectations of life that don't match up with who God says we should do, what God says we should do, or who we should be. Mm. Um, But what we have is the words and promises of God to rest in. And so, you know, counseling and therapy are valuable things. And if you feel like you need to to engage in those avenues, please do. Alongside that, we as Christians have truth from God that we can rest ourselves in. And so to name the things that we are worried about about, and then to find the promises of God that we can rehearse to ourselves, to know that they're true, even even when we don't feel like they're true. Mm. Jamin, thank you. Thank you for your perspective. Thank you just for your kind and gracious reminders of who our God is and how he meets us in this place of anxiety. And uh, are your sermons available online? Citizenschurch.com.
1: Okay. And the
2: resources tab.
0: (laughs) Resources
1: tab, yeah. (laughs) And I think we have, you know, podcasts on the wherever you podcast. So so if you, I would encourage
0: you to go and take a listen and to hear Jamin expand upon what he's chatted with us
1: about briefly. Thank y'all so much for having me.
2: It's a joy. It's a joy.
0: Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. As a reminder, we would love to hear from you about your story of mental health and how the past year has affected that. So you can call 214-238-4639 and leave a voicemail, and we may use it in a future episode. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Stair and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review where you listen to the podcast and also follow us on Instagram. Thanks and God bless.